going to be looking at events that take place during the crucifixion. This is the time period in history where everything changes. We begin to count time differently after this. Our relationship with Jesus Christ and with God, the Father, is different after this. We have a, a grace that has never been seen before in the world because of what's taking place here on the cross of Calvary. We have the opportunity, because of what takes place here, to have a closer relationship with the Father than any of the Old Testament had, except very few of the high priests. So we're going to be looking at those events, and the book of John is kind of laid out. He highlights eight different events, and we're going to try and look at four of them this week and four of them next week. And we're going to see what takes place there and, and why it's important and why it's applicable to us today. You know, the Bible isn't just a book of stories. The Bible is written to help us lead better lives today. It's written so that we can know salvation. It's written so that we can be able to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, so that we can have that closeness with God that, that did not exist prior to this. It existed in one place in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, God the Father would come down during the cool of the day and he would walk physically with Adam and with Eve. We haven't seen that on the earth since that time. We know that they were given many, many blessings in the garden. Not just that closeness with the Father, but many blessings. And they were given one thing they were told not to do. Eve allowed herself to be deceived by the serpent. Adam allowed himself to be deceived by Eve. And they both made the conscious choice to disobey God. By doing that, they not only doomed themselves, they doomed humanity. Sin entered into the world. And because of that, our world today stands corrupted. Everything in this world is touched by sin. When you touch, turn the news on at night, you hear many things happening around the world, many bad things happening around the world, but they, they never attribute the problem to where it really stands. What's wrong with our world today is this world is contaminated by sin. We have a virus much bigger than COVID, a virus that masks won't contain and inoculations won't prevent. We have a virus called sin, and each one of us is dying from it. It takes whatever we create, and it wears it away. It takes whatever is born on this earth, and slowly marches it to death. It doesn't matter what that thing is, how new it is, how nice it is, it starts to decay the moment it's created. As we get older, we can feel it and see it in our lives. We feel it in our bodies where things that used to be simple and easy aren't simple and easy anymore. Where the grandchild walking will fall and stumble and jump right back up and keep going. When we fall and stumble, it's, it's an act of God to get back up off the floor again and continue to move again. And then the next day, we're still suffering from the, the bruises and the bumps that took place. We see this in new cars. We buy a new car, and it has that, that smell, that, that new car smell in it. And everything is shiny. And you drive down the road, and you know that everybody notices that you have a new car, even though they don't, unless you still have that paper tag in the back. But in no time, you turn around, and it's old. It's rolling over to 100,000 miles. The new babies. Talk about new car scent, new baby scent. Something about the smell of a new baby. 
except at diaper change time. That's not good. <laughs> but the rest of the time, there's just something about the smell. Have you ever noticed, you know, women in particular, they, they, they relish that smell that whenever they, they pick up a new baby, they sniff it. Not, not in a creepy way. So many inappropriate political jokes are floating through my head right now. Because they have that smell. But they don't stay like that, do they? They become teenagers and young adults. They become rebellious. They start acting like they have a mind of their own. Nobody chuckled. Really? But everything is contaminated by this thing we call sin. The news will never credit our problems to sin. They will never say that a drive-by is the result of a sin. They'll never say that a murder is the result of sin. They'll never say that a theft is the result of sin. You'll never see the news attributing it to that. They will try and find other things, but it's all because of the sin that's in this world. Jesus Christ came for a one reason. He did a lot of stuff. He fed the hungry. He embraced the sinner. He healed the sick. But don't let any of that fool you into thinking that that's why he came. Because he left a lot of sick people unhealed. He left a lot of hungry people unfed. Jesus Christ came to this world for one reason. To seek and to save that which is lost. His goal from the time he arrived in his mother's belly until this point was to die on the cross of Calvary. It was already foretold. It was known. He has mentioned it throughout his ministry that this is why he came. He came to die so that we could live. And the events that take place on the cross although a very short period of time in his ministry is the most critical time in the events of mankind. Everything changes. Back in our text in chapter number 19 of John, verse number 16, says, Then delivered he him, this is talking about Pilate, remember from last week, Then delivered he him, therefore, unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth unto a place that called the, the unto a place called the place of a skull, which is in the Hebrew Golgotha. Notice what's taking place here. Pilate delivered him. The the Roman centurions, the guards and all, they, they brought him, but but notice what it what it says on here in verse 17 it says, And he bearing his cross went forth. This is one of the many pictures we're going to see during these verses where, where this isn't somebody that's being drugged to the gallows. This isn't somebody that's being forced to do something they don't want to do. He took up his cross and he went forth. Everything that's transpiring, no matter how difficult it is for us to conceive or, or imagine, everything was by his hand. There's nothing that takes place here that he did not have full control over. This was not a walk of shame. This was not a walk of, of a victim. This was the march of a victor. This is what he came here for. Pilate thinks he delivered him. The soldiers think they led him. But in actuality, Jesus is the one that did everything. He bore the cross. He went forward. 
He's the victor. In John chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Over and over in his ministry, he told us what was going to happen. He told his disciples what was going to happen. John chapter 10, verse 15, he, he said, I lay down my life for the sheep. Repeatedly, he told us what was coming. We see the crucifixion in verse number 18. It says, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. Now we know from reading in other places other than John who these two were, or we know some things about them. They were thieves. They were ones who, they were ones who actually deserved by the laws of that time to be nailed to a cross. Not Jesus. He's crucified between thieves. This is the second event. Two unjust thieves. This is the, the picture of the preeminence of his sacrifice. We see the, the picture of his sacrifice here in the fact that, that he is being associated with common criminals. He's being associated with people who are unjust. He's led and goes to be crucified with the unjust. He's dying for them. You see, these two thieves that we look at and we say, well, you know, they deserved it or, or they, you know, they were bad people, they are a picture of us. They are a picture of humanity. Because neither one of those thieves deserved to have Jesus die for them. They deserved exactly what they were getting. And none of us deserved to have Jesus Christ die for us. Not one of us is worthy of the sacrifice that was made. But yet, just like those thieves, he's dying for our sins as well. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. His sacrifice gives us the ability to be whole again. His sacrifice gives us the ability to be saved. It's also the picture of guilt. Jesus Christ was being counted as the king of sinners. One that knew no sin. One that knew no guilt. Had no guilt. Was being found guilty of the sins of the world. Verse number 19. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. We see something interesting here. Pilate made him a, a sign. This is unusual. They don't, it wasn't something that they typically did. Sometimes they would notate the crimes. But notice, he put up there that, that he was the king of the Jews. Now, there's some political reasons probably why he did this, to show the Romans' um, uh, ability to, to, uh, to be over the Jews. We see many different things in this. But notice where, where he put this. He put this on his cross, and, and where, where Golgotha is, if you've ever been there, if you've ever seen it on a map, where Golgotha is where they would sacrifice these people, where they would crucify these people, 
you could see it from all around the city. Because the point of the crucifixion, we'll look at in a moment, the point of the crucifixion wasn't just to punish people for their crimes. The point of the crucifixion was to warn other people not to do the same thing. And so they would put them on the crosses, and sometimes it would take days for these people to die on the cross. But they would be able to be seen from all around the city. Now, skeptics have said, well, even if he put a sign up there, is there any way they would be able to read it from the city? Well, human nature is that we seek out those things. That whenever we drive, you know, they, one of the, the things in marketing is that if you're going to put a sign out, you make sure all the letters are big enough that people driving by can see. But have you ever noticed that when you see a sign and you can't quite read it, that sometimes you double back to look at it again? Because you're like, what did it say? Or you'll catch one word, and that word will question you. You'll go back and look at it again. And so there is some, some marketing sense here, but it's that human nature that they're looking out, they see these crosses, they're like, wait a minute, that one has a sign on it. What does it say? I can't read it from here. Let's get closer. And so people could see it. It was written in three different languages. You see, because this the city was a city of, of trade. It was a crossroads of the world, if you will. And people from different backgrounds and different languages would come there to do business. And so this wasn't just a message to the Jews, this was a message to the world. It was a message that needed to be told. People read the title. But you know, we don't see a, a huge upheaval in the town as a response to this. Much like today, people see Jesus Christ, which by the way, Christ is actually a title. They see the name, they know the name and all, but there's not a, a huge turning to that name. We see that huge turning come as the disciples begin to live out his lessons, as they begin to preach and teach his lessons. The people read the title, but they're in, indifferent to it. They had no real change upon them. And notice the religionists. Yes, the religionists didn't say to take down the title. They just wanted it changed a little bit. They wanted it modified a little bit. There's, there's no compassion for the person that's being wrongfully executed. They don't care about that. They're concerned about the wording that Pilate has put up there. And Pilate, in all his Romanness, says, what I wrote, I wrote. Live with it, deal with it. I don't work for you. They objected to the title. They wanted Jesus claimed to be the king of the Jews, which he did. He claimed to be the promised Messiah, which he was. The title King of the Jews was written in three great languages so the world would see that this was much more than the Jews. Jesus wasn't just the King of the Jews. In that regards, the title was wrong. It's written in three different languages so that everybody could see that Jesus is much more than the King of the Jews. Jesus Christ is the King of the universe. Everything that is created was created by him and for him. He is literally the king of all of this. Verse number 23. Then the soldiers, when they crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be? that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. 
These things, therefore, the soldiers did. The soldiers are gambling for his coat without even realizing that they're actually fulfilling Scripture. It's another picture of the world and the insensitivity of the world. The world will hear the story of Christ. The world will see the story of Christ written out in the Scripture, portrayed in plays, put in movies, told from from person to person, and they're insensitive to it. Many Christians fall into this trap where they acknowledge the fact that Jesus Christ died for them, but they lose sight of what a bloody, grotesque scene that our Lord went through. We become void of compassion. His mother is standing by the cross. Some other women are standing by the cross, but there's no compassion for them. There's no compassion for the ones on the cross. There's no compassion for the mother that's being left behind, the mother that's losing a son. The only thing they can think about is personal gain. There's not a a picture of our the current situation of our country in the Bible, this is it. They knew who was on the cross. They had heard his words. They had seen enough to know the truth. These are the guards that that had to have known of the soldier who's had his ear removed and replaced by Jesus. These are the soldiers that had to be there when he was beaten and spit upon and mocked and yet never cried out in pain. How unusual would that be? They'd seen it. These are the soldiers who were aware of what had taken place with Pilate. These are the soldiers who had seen the venomous and the false accusations being made up by the Jews. But all they care about is, can I put a couple dollars in my pocket? The world, our country, many of our churches is the same way. They care more about the money than they do the people. They care more about how they can survive week to week instead of how somebody else beside them survives week to week. We are called to be disciples of Christ, first and foremost. One of the ways that we become disciples of Christ, other than studying, is by living out Christ in our world. We need to be so full of the love of Christ that we're not impassionate and insensitive when we see people suffering. Most of you do a pretty good job with that. Most of you are pretty good about when you see somebody hurting and suffering, reaching and helping them up. But in this church and many churches around the country, we we still see those that are wanting and preferring to kick somebody when they're down as opposed to being compassionate. We become more like the Roman soldiers wondering, well, what can I get out of this? How is this going to benefit me? I've heard people talking about this election, and they talk a lot about it. Well, how is this election going to affect me? How about we just look at this election and say, how is this election going to affect the kingdom of Christ? It doesn't matter how it affects me, because this isn't about me. This isn't my story. This is his story. And we need to take a step back and not worry so much about how it affects me and worry about how it affects the kingdom, how it affects the telling of the story of Jesus Christ. There are those out there that want to squash that and put it to rest, and we can't allow that. There are those out there that want to create so much division and, and so much misinformation that, that, we, that the, the voice gets lost in the crowd. This election is not about me. 
Selection is not about you. Selection is about him. And there's not a perfect answer. There never will be a perfect answer when the world is involved. Both candidates, both parties, every person involved is corrupted by sin, just as we are. And we don't create perfect. We create imperfect. The world is insensitive. The more the world shows its insensitive nature, Christians, we have to stand up and be different. We have to stand up and show that we care. We've had people, I've, I've had people on Facebook that have attacked us over the pumpkin patch because, well, what about the hungry kids here? You know what? I know there's some hungry kids in the United States. But just because there's a hungry kid in the United States doesn't mean we get to ignore all the hungry kids in other countries. 